0: Hi everybody, welcome to Brokerage Insider, the real estate podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Pita Shravamade, which you'll understand more why I pronounced it that way in just a second. Uh, uh, Peter's title is the janitor slash strategic relationship manager for a company called Box Brownie. And I've known him now for a number of years. Um, So you're going to find that this conversation is going to be very conversational, not so much a question and answer, because we've had a few beverages late at night, and I'm probably going to be mentioning uh, things that he's talked about, which hopefully he'll be willing to share everything that there is with us that he shared with me at 11 o'clock at night after a couple of weeks. So, Peter,
1: welcome to the show. What an introduction! Uh, I, I feel humbled.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Box Brownie is?
1: Yeah, I lo- well, it's it's a website is the easiest <laughs> e- easiest way to go with that. Uh, the the Box Brownie itself was a camera. It was a like a, a box shaped camera. Came out in 1901. Um, mums and dads could buy it, and the the slogan that uh, Kodak Eastman used way back then was "You take the photo, we do the rest." and in, in some kind of weird way, we've continued on with that tradition. So we're a website that you can go to to upload photos for whatever edit you may need. Um, at the outset, that you know that starts with improving those rubbish photos that you everyone has seen on the MLS, uh, where someone's taking it, you know, with a smartphone. We, we can in, enhance those, and all the way through to things like things like staging. Um, but even as we mentioned just prior to hitting record on the podcast, we we do just about anything, portrait photography, twilight conversions, we take cars out of dryways and things like that. So um, we're an image editing company is the, the basis of what we do.
0: And so, and by the way, if you have not checked out what they do, please go to boxbrownie.com uh, and you'll see some of the examples of their work and all the different facets of what they do. I think uh, we only mentioned here a few different types of photography and we'll get into more uh, in a second, but the, the work that they do and what they're able to achieve uh, is just quite amazing. So, um, tell us uh, about the product. And by the way, you have to go to their website if you haven't been and look at their pricing, because I think you'll be shocked by how low cost but high quality what they're able to provide is. So, can you tell us a little bit about how that works and, and how you're able to do it mm. for that kind of pricing?
1: Yeah, well uh, I mean effectively the edits that we do um, you know we we not i suppose boxbranny.com is not specific to real estate we also operate in in automotive building and construction online fashion and retail um, so the the groundbreaking thing that we did was not a lot to do with real estate photography, except that the products actually work in a brokerage or an agency. Um, the, the, the reality of what we did is we introduced the client, which, you know, could be you, for example, we introduced you to a graphic designer or editor of some kind that was able to deliver a product um, with an agreed expectation. So you will come in expecting, I want my daytime photo turned to twilight for $4.00. Uh, you will upload that photo. That will go to an editor. The editor will deliver that within a guaranteed time frame. So you know that that transaction is, um, I, I suppose, priceless if you're an agent because um, a lot agents are always on deadlines. And we know about them. Um, we we think our deadlines are quite quick, but even so, um, there's so much pressure on the time process uh, with an agent that, you know, we we understand that and the, the time um, that, that was a driving force, I suppose, to make the products what they are. So, you know, it's a really simple transaction that takes place and it doesn't necessarily need to be related to property, but, um, you know, our products inherently are. Um, my background is in real estate has been for uh, the better part of well, getting on 24 years now I've been in the industry. So, um, you know, that was a natural movement for us is to go into those, into those products. And, and it has worked um, the acceptance of not just uh, in, in America and North America at large, but globally, this is a product that, that works quite well. Uh, we, we know that um, just because of the growth rates,
0: and that's uh, it's it is something amazing to see how fast they've come onto the market. So obviously, Box Brownie is uh, can be from over in Australia. Um, what made you and your team wake up one day and say, "Hey, the United States is a is a market that we should jump into full force"?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Actually, that's a good question. Um, so we were already doing this in Australia, and it was bubbling along what we thought quite nicely. Uh, we thought our growth rates back in, in, those, um, in those days were excellent. And those days, just to put a time frame on it, that would have been sort of between uh, July 2016 and, and the end of the year. And it was, it was around about the end of the year. It was December from memory um, 2016 that I was sitting in, a, in an office, which is like a, we're in an old box kind of office at that stage. And we had decided that the Americans spoke English as well, and that maybe it's worth <laughs> putting a social media post out. Um, we were even—I can remember—we were actually drinking Corona at the time because that's what we thought Mexicans drank. Um, and and we yeah we were having Coronas, and we decided we'd put an ad advert out. And that advert um, we left. I think the discussion happened in the middle of your Thanksgiving period, and then Christmas hit straight after. So we left that to sort of mid January and we unleashed that and, and then all sorts of things started happening. Um, we were picked up by Inman um, was probably the biggest one, but, you know, even just the, the virility of the advert that went out was insane. It really convinced us that we should start looking at markets other than Australia, <clears throat> Australia, and New Zealand, I think were the two that we we're in. Um, and now we're in 96 countries. So that's kind of moved forward. <clears throat> we're multilingual. Um, uh, we're in, uh, Spanish, French, um, Korean, Japanese, we're about to go into Italian and German, um, Portuguese was just launched the other day. So we're slowly moving into other markets. Um, but yeah, America was definitely the first and, um, we, we were quite humbled at, at how we were embraced by America in general. It it was um it was it was definitely a humbling experience.
0: So one of the things that I know you and I have talked about though about being here in the states uh, is how bad you think the average photography of real estate listings is. So what? Yeah. what makes It's so bad versus other countries. Do you think? Well,
1: well, let's let's just go. Not bad. Um you have the potential to deliver to world-class standards. The best property marketing that we see uh, is out of Scandinavia, um, the Scandinavian regions, and also out of the Australian, New Zealand regions. We think that they lead the world as far as what they're delivering. Um, So when I, when I come to bad, I I just think um, the way I would put it is that there is a lack of focus on the actual marketing of the home itself um, and let me let me put a few things in perspective that are different about America compared to global. Um, number one, your epro, which is your trading manual by the NAR, it does not actually talk about how you market a house. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just an absent it's it's not in there. Um, yet real estate 101 in in those other nations, definitely in the UK and the EU actually talk about, um, you know, okay, so you want to be a real estate agent, let's start, <clears throat> the very basis is starting with the house. When you think about our product too, um, you know, and you're an agent, <clears throat> the first thing that you are more than likely going to have to do is to at some point, um, you know, find a product, which is <laughs> which is a house that you have listed and market that to a target audience. But I think um, there seems to have been a, a, a real um, missing piece there because you have a dual marketing process. I think the the whole reason that this comes about and I'm kind of answering the question first is that you have a dual listing scenario where there's a marketing agent and a, and a purchasing agent. And most American real estate agents enter as a purchasing agent um, that they're, they're not even showing how to market a home to start off with They're showing how to go and get leads for which they will sell properties. Um, now coming back to your original question is why do I think American marketing is so poor? It just is. Um, we have stats coming up and this, this is kind of preempting something we have releasing. We're actually doing analysis on all of your forums to detect, um, what level of photography we believe is professional. Um, and we believe that's going to come in quite low, like to the extent under 5%, um, watch this space. Um, let, let me, rephrase that, um, everyone thinks they're using a professional photographer, but when the photos are taken internally, you can't see outside the windows, which is a standard of professional photography. And we think, you know, there is no real, um, there is no real definition of what a professional photographer is. It could be my best friend, sister's uncle's dog's mother has a Nikon camera and therefore they are shooting. So we've really attacked that space. Um, then then you go down the list of things required. Well, copy, I'm assuming that all agents have put copy on, but if you haven't, it's something that purchasers want. Uh, floor plans, less than 5% of MLS listings have floor plans. Your own National Association of Realtors, buyer and home seller generational trends say that 50% of purchasers want one yet only 5% of listings have it. Um, and then you compare that also with Thailand where the take up rate of floor plans, a third world country is 74%. And you've got here America sitting here at 5%. It's a damning indictment on the industry. Um, you go to virtual tours. We believe the take up rate of virtual tours in the U S even now is still under 5%, even in the pandemic period yet um, you know, you have your purchases saying 50% of purchases saying that you want, they want one. Um, ironically, the thing that purchases want the least, which is video is, is actually done quite well. So, um, you know, there are the, the five elements that we see that purchasers are screaming for. Um, four of those five are done very, very poorly when you compare them with international um standards and and to come back to it i think it is because there is a dual listing process not many americans are aware that 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 process is only north america it's only canada and the states it doesn't exist anywhere else so there's a greater emphasis on agents elsewhere to actually describe the product that they're selling which is the whole that's the whole purchase you know the whole idea of the the um the, the sale is to actually you've got a product that you need to move to a potential target audience. How do I to describe that product? So, um, you know, to come back to it, it's not so much that your, you, your marketing's bad. You're just not doing the required elements that we know your purchases are asking for. I, I hope that makes sense. It's a long way about answering that question.
0: No, I, and I think it perfectly aligns with other things that we've heard. So, um, a lot of our, uh, Podcast, we've had the opportunity to interview people in international real estate or that at least touch international real estate. So we interviewed uh, folks from Respi, which is a photo um, uh, oh, yeah. image uh, service that looks at the photo and tells you what's in it. And we talked to, so they're in Spain, and we talked to the folks at Ad Phoenix, and they're in Sweden, and mm. a few other folks that are in international real estate. And there's a recurring theme amongst all of the people that I've had the opportunity to interview uh, when they look at at the United States from the lens of being in another country at how we handle real estate. And that is because we have buyer's agents and and seller's agents, which you alluded to, um, and because of that process that we're more focused on lead gen than necessarily selling the property, whereas in almost all other countries, there's no buyer's agent. And so everybody is only focused on doing the absolute best to get the listing, and then to sell the listing because it may not be exclusive. They may have another uh, listing agent that might be representing the property, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And in in line with that, you know, like uh, let's go. You're familiar with the rebar camp scenario where you turn up and, um, it, you know, if you if your listeners aren't the the way it works is it's like a pick your own path conference where you can put, um, you know. I guess ideas on a whiteboard. People vote for those ideas, and it dictates the sessions that will happen today. Generally, you'll have a bunch of industry experts, and they will talk about what goes on. And I, you know, why I'm I'm talking about rebound camps is that I've I've been to a number of them in the US, and invariably there ends up this term on the board that is highly voted for called property marketing. Now, in any other country, property marketing means how you actually go about marketing that house um, in, in all of those sessions at the rebar camps turn into what am I doing to get lead gen? Um, you know, how am I just sold brochures? Uh, do I have closing gifts? All of those things that actually aren't essential to the sale of the property. Yes. They're important to do for you, yourself, your brand lead generation, but they all come under lead generation. You know, that's, that's called lead generation marketing and whether that lead is, you're looking at a purchaser coming in or you're, you're actually trying to get leads for, um, you know, people wanting to sell a house. That's two different ball games. There doesn't appear to be a general term that describes the marketing that we do to sell a property. Um, it's just this big dirty word that sits out, out there and, you know, I've got my photos taken. I've used what I think is a professional photographer. I've written some copy. I've put it on the MLS. This house needs to sell. <laughs> it's like it. It sounds like a you know. It sounds like a wearing a life be in it shirt to a funeral. It 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 sounds as though we've hitched the the cart before the horse. I'm not. Uh, you know. I I think if there was not one thing that I would actually recommend agents do when they get into the industry is investigate how to actually go about selling that property. You know different ways to do it, things that are going to make your process faster and a consistency because all of those other things in my experience has been an agent fall into place. Um, you know, having never operated in America, I'll use that as a disclaimer, but those other things fall into place. Once you get your, your nuts and bolts in a row or your ducks in a row, as far as the, the, the property marketing is concerned, it takes a large piece of that off your plate.
0: And, and, you know, what you're saying aligns to something I've said for 20 years in this industry, which is that the, uh, the process for getting a license in the United States is to pass a test. And so much of the American education system is about passing tests rather than actually consuming the knowledge you need to be successful. And the same goes for most real estate education uh, and getting a real estate license. They're not at all focused on how do I market or how do I do a great job for my client? They're focused on the laws and what you can and can't do here and there and how you renew your license, et cetera. And then the problem with that is that that's fine if, if the state is gonna mandate that that's what you need to have a real estate license. But then the next step is that most brokerages, because there's almost no cost to them to have that person licensed at the company, they'll take anybody that can fog a mirror. And then you've just got them sitting there, and the expectation by the brokerage is the person will work out if they're meant to. But there's not mentoring that goes in there and says, okay, well, here's how you do this, or an apprenticeship that's so big in other countries and very little apprenticeship takes place in the United States, you just get thrown to the wolves. And, and I think that some people just become successful with it. And, and particularly when it comes to marketing, they just do whatever is gonna get them the listing or promise whatever is gonna get them the listing. And then you know they're not worried about making it better or selling the listing faster. And if they lose the listing, so be it, they just go on to the next one, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, and uh, you you know, in line with that, I think um, what I have learned from the American because this this all sounds very critical, and there are things that you guys do that are so much better than we do in Australia, like how you handle a lead, for example, so much better than than the way we do it over here. So it's a it's a tit for tat approach. I don't know if you understand that analogy, but it's like a sort of. Uh, we we can learn from you over here in, in in elements of that, and that's generally my message when I'm speaking to Australians. My goodness, you should see how the US deals with the league, but the one thing I try and impress upon brokers is can you imagine if every single one of the incoming agents you had were able to go out and pull a property in? Um, Because, you know, my belief or a common saying over here in our market is if you control the listings, you control the market. Mm -hmm. Um, If everyone's coming to you and you have all of these listings and you dominate in that space, you know, it's your sign going up, it's your name, it's your brand that goes up every time one of those is advertised it just follows that if you're doing a good job of that, people are going to come through with purchases. And you know, I see companies that spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on lead generation when they don't have the basics right as far as their property marketing is concerned. And you know, with our product, it's it's you know they're missing it. it's a dollar sixty per image. It's not like it's rocket science or it's more than a cup of coffee. It's it's a crazy cheap price. And I, I look at the money spent on lead generation and I just wonder, imagine if you just took a portion of that, let's say 20% and dedicated that to, we're going to market these properties better. That way, when a seller looks at our house, we're going to go, um, you know, look at the job they've done as far as marketing is concerned. We've got to get those guys into at least have a conversation They're uh, the industry leader. Look how many listings they have. They've got listings everywhere. So, I, you know, I think, I think um, it has to all work together. Coming back to what you said about uh, checking a box. I I can't speak to the US as far as um, passing qualifications are concerned, but marketing only creeps into designations when you start doing luxury designations, both of them have it. Um, I'm not aware of it anywhere else. Um, And that it's a real problem because I think, you know, even if you are a good agent, as you alluded to before, and you come in, in the sink or swim approach and you've actually swum, you've, you've survived, you've made it past the buyer's agents process. Um, I can count on on one hand, the amount of agents who are actually good at both processes. So you've actually found someone that's really good at dealing with buyers, which is fantastic. Um, there is a whole different mentality and psychology to actually dealing with the sellers. Um, and I, <clears throat> I'm not sure I've, I've seen any agency that I can, um, name in the US that is actually really good at at recruiting that second person, that listing agent. Um, that's kind of we've gotten lucky, and the person does both. Um, it, it, it is a it's a completely different thing to actually handling the seller as it is to handling the buyer. And whilst you might be good at both, and you might you know run through and and that's happy, you know you're making hay while the sun shines kind of thing. Um, you, you really do have to be recruiting for both. You need to be recruiting for somebody that is excellent in the art of negotiation and uh, objection removal. Um, You know, that, that's, that's what we look for as far as somebody dealing with the buyer and you need to, you know, find somebody who is actually excellent at marketing a product to a target audience. That's the secondary side. That's, and I find that the two people are very rarely the same person, Um, which is why also I think even in the US i S I've noticed a lot of successful uh, teams are combinations of two people. I, I believe one has the listing approach and one has the selling and it, it may be a combination of both There's one sort of 75% listing and, and 25% sell and the others probably 75% sell and 25% list. But that's generally what makes a successful partnership is the all encompassing assets of dealing with all of the, the different cogs that go as part of the sale.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's funny. Uh, how much on the same page we are here. I've been saying this for a long time. And in fact, I'll have to send you. I gave a newspaper interview when I started my real estate company, my brokerage, uh, 17 or 18 years ago now. And uh, in the newspaper, uh, the quote I gave was to properly market a property, you have to be both a good agent and a good marketer. And uh, I have that on my wall as a reminder all the time that here we are, you know, on nearly 20 years later and it's still the case. And it was the case 20 years before I gave that quote. Uh, it's yeah. Just, it's it's prob- not...
1: Prob- probably, even exa- probably even exacerbated more now. Like 20 years down the track, the world has changed. You know, not just speaking to the pandemic period we find ourselves in, but, um, you know, we're on the cusp, I think, of actual... Uh, 2D imagery um, g- giving way I think you'll see that over the next 10 years to 360 degree virtual tours globally not necessarily in America in America you're still struggling to get your hand around 2D photography and and um, deliver that at a consistent standard so it's going to be a very very interesting time especially when you think all of the MLSs are actually set up to only handle 2D photography they're not actually set up to take in virtual tours aside from a link, it, it makes for a very different melting pot as to what the next 10 years is gonna take. But it's funny you said that 20 years ago, that was when I also got into real estate. I was shooting on a film camera. So <laughs> I, I'm just really old. I think we both, <laughs> both are.
0: Yeah, well, we've both been in it for, for a long time, for sure. Um, yeah. But I think everything you say, going back to what you said on Teams, it's so funny that I've, I've said something similar to a long time, which is there's two types of agents, and I've never classified it as buying agents and, and selling agents uh, before, uh, or listing agents and selling agents before, uh, which is its own confusing term here that we have of <laughs> selling agent represents the buyer. Uh, but that being said, I've always said that there are agents that are really good at working leads, and there are agents that are really good at, at selling properties and, and at marketing listings. And so it's kind of the exact same thing is, is you have to be different. And that's why I think teams have seen a rise so much is because it was the first time in the United States uh, that I, there, there's been a realization of, you know, one person is not good at everything. And, and to build a, a big set of business, you really need to have people that focus and specialize in different areas. Not to say that the buyer's agent can't become a good listing agent down the road, but, you know, it's a very different skill set. Uh um mm. and oftentimes you're good at one and not the other, uh, maybe for the rest of your life. And that's fine. Go to where your skill set is, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can I can tell you on that, my skill set was definitely listing. I was I was unbelievable at listing. I would only ever lose a listing if I didn't want to get it. And generally that was a price or an attitudinal issue um with the house or the owner. So um yeah, I I it was it was very difficult. I actually ran into my um the the number 2 in my city only 2 weeks ago. <laughs> um which is is funny cuz we didn't have the best of relationships back then, but it was it was an interesting discussion as to what she has now learned and how she's now operating in that city. So, um yeah. Uh, I I can put my hand up and say I wasn't wonderful at dealing with the buyer. I was definitely the guy that you wanted in the property, telling the people how we were going to sell our price fast, sell our prop- property faster for more money.
0: Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes sense. You got to know yourself, right? You got to know what your strengths are.
1: Yeah. 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 I agree.
0: So uh, a couple other things that I want to ask you about. One is, you know, I know that it's a big core thing of Fox Brownie that you guys don't retain any copyrights to the image enhancements and any of the edits that you guys do. And a big thing, a big discussion in the MLS world, particularly as well as in the larger brokerage space recently, um, is about copyrights in the United States uh, mm. and who owns the copyright to the photo. So why did Box Brownie choose to say, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to retain any uh, copyright. We're not going to just license you the photo. We're going to let you own it.
1: Well, uh, though I suppose the biggest reason for that is we are Australian and we wouldn't have been able to start um, doing what we do, editing images in Australia if we retain the copyright. So, um, you know, in all of my brokerages, if, if anyone is taking photos, whether they are, let's go my agents, for example, you know, on the odd occasion that they will need to take a photo of a, of a property, fine, they have signed a waiver that hands that copyright, anything that they put up on our MLS, if you want to call it that, they've signed the copyright over to me as an agent um, irrevocably. So for the, for the future, <clears throat> that's one thing. If, if the photographers who my agents are using haven't signed a waiver, then it doesn't go on the MLS. They have to go and reshoot it and go again until I've signed that waiver. So copyright has always been something that, um, in Australia and, and definitely other parts of the world too, but I'm just speaking to the industry I know so well is um, the, the reality is we are paying the photographer for a commercial transaction to turn up to the, uh, to the property, shoot the photos and give them to us. There's nothing really artistic about that transaction. The whole purpose of getting them to do it is that so we can market it in, whatever way we see fit to achieve the, the, the sale of either getting that property leased or sold. Um, when I came to the <clears throat> to the US, it was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable that that whole concept of having um, ownership of the copyright of the images was just missing. It, it just, it wasn't discussed. I mean, it, it, we, I, I actually think we pushed it to the forefront in 2018. Um, we certainly had discussions with Bob Goldberg, who was the, the head of NAR. We told him about the way things were done. Um, I spoke at a clarity conference with which then led to the California, the the California association of realtors setting up their own, um, their own system, which by the way, I think is industry, um, groundbreaking industry stuff. So if you want to have a look at an association who's taken the bull by the horn, so to speak, and actually led on this, uh, go and have a look at what California has done with its photographers.
0: <clears throat> um,
1: but it, we, you know, the, the biggest issue that, my job is to more raise the issues i don't come up with the solutions i i just speak about the problem that it creates down the track you know you have guys like um zillow getting sued by by uh, vht studios for example which is it just should never happen that a photographer holds the industry ransom um it's it's like um i suppose a photographer suing a billboard company because that billboard is displaying an image that he took. Now, I whilst I get copyright and I understand how that works in f- photography, I am inherently a musician who has written songs for which I own the copyright for. I I totally get that side of it. As far as, you know, the other side, which is where somebody has asked me to write a jingle for their radio advert, uh, I definitely do not retain copy there. And that's, that's the way you've got to look at this. You've actually hired a photographer to create a jingle for your radio advert, which you want to irrevocably own. So, you know, that, that whole idea of um, owning your, your, your images is so simple. It's, it's a form that NAR give you. You just need to fill it out and get your photographer to sign it. And you know what? If your photographer says no, then find another one. I really don't believe that's a, negoti- a negotiable point. I think you just need to absolutely jump on and, and own all of the copy, uh, all of the copyright on all of the images. You need to own the intellectual property for which you're, you're responsible for. So yeah, that's, that's a stand that we take. It's globally the way it happens, but it, it does seem to be missing in action in America. Uh, there are very few brokerages I know that have copyright agreements with the agents in their. Um, and that photograph is.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, there's this other oddity, which is essentially in many MLSs, you're signing over the copyright to the MLS uh, Mm. cases as well. So not only do you have to worry about the the copyright of the photo, if your agents are using a professional photographer, of whether you have the copyright uh, or the ability to use that photo, And in many cases, I've seen where when there is a copywriting, the the photographer is just licensing it. The day the property goes off the market, you're required to remove all use of that photo. Um, But then on top of that issue, you send it to the MLS, and many MLS agreements without brokers even knowing about it state that the MLS now has a shared copyright to that photo that Mm. you uploaded. Uh, And and the statement is that the purpose is so that if a... Um, uh, if if there is a violator grabbing that photo that the MLS can go ahead and sue the, the violator that's uh, uh, stealing the photo from them, right? But the yep. problem is you've now shared that copyright with the MLS and you may never have owned a copyright in the beginning uh, to that yeah. photo right?
1: Yeah, that's right. You've actually warranted it, it places the agent in issues because they've warranted that they have permission to use it, which they may have for the sale. But as soon as the sale is finished, then there's all of these copies out there on various aggregators. It could be hundreds of them, thousands of them, even they're just all out there and no one, no one knows who owns the copy to them.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, we have clients of ours in, in different cities that We get requests all the time where a photographer will pop up and say, hey, that's my photo that you're displaying on the website. They don't, you don't have the right to display that photo. And, you know, we we, of course, remind them, hey, it's coming through an MLS feed and our license with the MLS is to use the photo. So you'll need to talk to the MLS or talk to the broker that you sold the photography to
1: yeah and that's that's kind of california's solution is that they've what they have effectively done is they've said if you are a photographer and you want to um you want to operate in 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 the real estate circle you need to have signed this agreement directly with the california association of realtors and it it assigns um the copyright over to the association to distribute as they see fit. So, um, you know, it says any of the images that find their way onto them that have been taken by them, they can do whatever they like with it. And, and that's, that's, a been a short track, I think to trying to educate their agents to actually get the copy themselves. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how that happens because they've got a moratorium on it, but at, at some point they will switch off any photographer who hasn't signed that waiver Um, and it will be interesting times. I think they're they're getting quite a list of photographers across the, the board, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pilot goes. But I think, um, that, you know, the very least what you can do is just cover yourself by getting the agreement signed. Then you don't have to worry about, um, you know, cease and desist letters coming through. And also, Eric, a, a big thing to point out is, um, you know, just sold cards, for example, if I was a competitor of yours and you were putting up photos that I knew um you know xyz photographer owned and you're absolutely hammering the area with just sold cards I'd absolutely be going back to that photographer and saying well they haven't paid for the copyright on that it's just it's off the market you they don't own the copy anymore and they've printed these things um you could in fact if you're a competitor and you really wanted to be cunning you could go back to the photographer and then buy the rights to those images (laughs) And, and, and actually sue that agent directly. Not that I'm, I'm trying to give, um, you know, people any litigious, uh, I guess, <laughs> competitive advantages over that competitor, but that that's what you leave yourself open to by not signing over the copyright. It's crazy. I could totally do that. If you listed in your area, once you sold something and you put just sold out, I could go and buy the copy of that. And I could ask you to go and retrieve all of those documents or send out apology letters for using my image.
0: Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, kind of crazy, but uh, is the reality of the world we're in right now. Uh, Yeah.
1: the The moral of the story is get your copyright sorted for crying out loud. (laughs) It's it's a it's a free document. NAR have them. You can set them up. If you just go and have a look at copyright on the NAR website, there is a document that you can download. You can sign that. Get all your photographers. Be ready for the pushback that comes as part of your photographer telling you that they've created something artistic and they deserve to own the copy, you may have to find another one. Um, I'd highly recommend that you do.
0: Yep. Uh, And we'll, we'll post in the show notes. Um, So if you're listening to this, we'll try to post a a, a link in the show notes to where that, uh, where that document is. Yeah. I'll Uh, track
1: it down for you.
0: You know, something else I definitely wanted to chat with you about is, is, you know, a fairly new offering right before uh, the virus hit. Uh, a fairly new offering for you guys was being able to do uh, 3D tours. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. These, you know, are the tours that are similar to Matterport or some of the other tools that you may have heard. Now, Matterport raised uh, almost 120 million dollars, right? And and Box Brownie did not raise 120 million dollars. Uh, no. So you know what what made it uh, that you could jump into that space and say, hey, look, we think we can compete with companies like Matterport and produce a better product than what they have. Well,
1: number one, we we we're not effectively trying to compete. Uh, We reluctantly were pulled into this space. Um, So we had conversations with many of the 360 providers. Um, I can't mention a lot of them because we have NDAs in place, but. a lot of them, we are the world's biggest editor of 360 degree photos. So, you know, you can imagine the, the conversations that go on. Um, if you are a virtual tour provider, and you were taking photos, and the world's biggest 360 degree editing company is Box Brownie, well, you would be having conversations about potential additional edits you can do. And they include things like enhancement, item removal, staging being the biggest, right? So we, we have always been in that space as an image editor. Uh, very important to, to remember that. Uh, the conversations that we've had with multiple of the 360 or, or 3D virtual tours, as you guys call them, providers have always revolved around image quality. Um, it, this is getting slightly technical, but bear with me. Um, When a when a a true professional photographer turns up to site at uh, to take static photos just using their DSLR or whatever it may be, they will put their camera on a tripod and they will take between three and five um, images of the same scene at different light resolutions. And the only way to get professional results from photography is to merge those together. And that merging is a manual editing process. So we summarize professional photography to be um, uh, three things, the, the, the presentation of the property or the getting the property ready for the shoot, the shoot itself, and it can only be done using a technique called bracketing. It doesn't matter how many flashes you have or how, how many different lenses, it can only be done. It has to be used bracketing. The third part about that is the manual editing process. And without each of those things, you're not going to get a professional result at the end. So they are the three parts that are already incumbent in 2D digital stills. Now the world of 360 hardware is forever evolving. Um, You have things like Matterport's camera, which I I think is, is now gone. You won't see many of them um, moving forward. Yes, they are still selling them, but they're just too big, too bulky. They take too long to shoot at home. Um, whereas, you know, you have the Ricoh Theta cameras, which are the size of my palm have an eight hour battery life. Um, you can shoot a home in in 10 to 15 minutes and the quality that we can get from that imagery is better than anything we can get out of the Matterport Pro 2 hardware. So we, we, you know, the conversations that we were having with 360 degree providers is you need to up your game as far as the, the image quality was concerned. So, um, it appeared that none of them cared. They, they all have a product that they were delivering to, you know, people, people were happy to pay for it. Um, we, we were well aware that the consumer base was wanting two things that were different from the current offering. Number one, higher image quality, which we could deliver um, very, very affordable in a do it yourself way. And the second thing was a no subscription platform. Um, now we had to write the code to do the 3d virtual tours anyway, because we were delivering walkthrough tours to our building and construction industry that are of houses that don't exist yet. So get your head around that for a second. We had to write the code for virtual tours for the building and construction industry so that when somebody wanted to create a a virtual walkthrough, and this is a true virtual walkthrough of a house that does not exist, we would create those tours using 360 degree renders and we'd stitch them together. So we'd already written the code for it. Um, There was a need in the market. So what we did is we delivered it at cost price. Um, And when I say it's cost price, we don't make money from it. Um, We are paying the manual editor who stitches it together and we are paying for the hosting space for those three sixty degree images. So we came in with a product that, you know, for $16, you can do a virtual tour and that, that is the, that's the point of difference. The only reason that we, we did it is because we could and we had to, um, you know, we had to create this anyway. So we're not, I don't even see ourselves as competitors. We still, I mean, yes, we are going to be taking market share, but the market share that we're going to be taking are the people who wouldn't sign up to a subscription platform in the first place. And that people who wanted high quality imagery. And when we went to all of the 360 providers, they weren't interested in providing it. So we're only doing the two things that they didn't want to do. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, that's, that's pretty much the bones of it. it. It, it is an, it is an open, um, I suppose it's an open book. We, we are very, very transparent about why it's there. Um, how it exists. It is going gangbusters. Um, there's roughly 95% of your market that do not use virtual tours. And we suspect that a good 20 to 30% of them, the reason they don't do it is they don't want another subscription. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, that's, that's the play. I don't, I don't know um, you you know, what you think of that.
0: I've long said that Matterport made a huge business mistake in that they tried to be everybody, everything to everybody. When they kicked it off, they sold the cameras to, um, uh, agents. They tried to sell it to enterprises. Like they went to Sotheby's and, and Corcoran and all these guys and said, Hey, you should buy a camera for every one of your agents or multiple ones per office to go use, but then they also went and got photographers and they said, hey, you can operate a Matterport business um, and go sell this. And the problem was that the business model became strange. You had photographers that were selling it for one time uh, a pricing where they would go out and put the camera down and take care of everything. And then you had agents getting sold Oh, well, you can get a subscription for it for, you know, $100 a month or whatever it happened to be, depending on how many of them that you had live at any given point. Uh, and so the problem with all of that is they're only live for a period of time. You're not able to use it for marketing as a sold listing or, or something down the road, right? To say, hey, look, I do Matterports on all my listings. Here's the benefit of them if you don't know what it is. And mm. then it's confusing as to where my pricing lines in. And with you guys, uh, that's a huge benefit. I pay a one-time fee uh, to get the uh, the property handled. Uh, I send you the video I can use an off the shelf camera whereas Matterport you had to buy the $4,000 camera uh, to be able to shoot it um, and get the data out of it and get it into Matterport. With you guys who use the Theta or, or I, um, you know Any, anything,
1: anything really, anything. So yeah, we've 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 tried to open it up. We're not aware of a 360 camera on the market that we don't use. Um, a little a look uh, just on that. Um, I mean, Matterport have been the incumbent. They really pioneered um, that space. So I believe. Um, then I, I, I don't actually mind that model of going to the photographers. Um, the, the one that they did because they create a, they almost create a selling point for buying their camera amongst the agents. Like you can go and pay $250 every time to have a house shot. However, if you're over a certain amount, you may as well own a camera and have someone out there operating it. Um, you, you know, they, they've almost made that an instant sale for themselves. The, the issue is they just can't keep up with the research and development of the camera companies. You know, you got GoPro that will slap on, you know, 3 million, maybe more, $10 million for the development of the 360 cameras. That's a really hard budget to come up against when you got the best minds in the world working on something that, you know, is going to be the size of the palm of your hand and can take photos. So the hardware game is gone. And Matterport have acknowledged that, I think, in, not in as many words, but they've opened their platform up now to the Ricoh Theta-V and the Ricoh Z1. Um, so that that was a big step, actually, because that's the first time that they've ever even acknowledged hardware of another another kind. But, you know, the, the, the Theta-V is like $300 US or thereabouts, um so it's it's really it's really not expensive um and i i think you know the where where i go with this is if you're a consumer out there and you're going look which is right for me i i don't know i'd certainly be weighing them up and i think the things that you need to look at is is the hardware side um is it standalone Uh, am i required to use any specifically to go with the the hosting platform or the software Um, then you have to look at the shoot how long that shoot takes you to actually do a shoot Um, you know whether that's do it yourself or you're going to hire someone there and the third part about that is you need to have a look at how long it takes to upload so that's the other part of box brownie it takes five minutes to upload the images and you hit submit Whereas a lot of the other do-it-yourself builders, you have to upload the hotspot and then you have to embed another hotspot to tell it where it's going. And that process can take easily an hour. So you have to, you know, I guess, put all of the, those factors and then, then you've got the money subscription or non-subscription or whatever it may be into a nice package and you have to decide what's right for your brokerage or yourself as an agent. I think um, what we have tried to do is simplify that you know, use any camera you want. Um, here are guides on how to shoot um, it should take 10 to 15 minutes with most of the cameras out there. It's a five minute upload to us. Uh, you pay as you go. So that's, that's the, that's really, really simply what we tried to do. I, I think you will see 360 degree providers start to offer no subscription models in order to compete with what we've just done, Eric. So I I believe it'll probably change the market in that in that nature. They're gonna to have to. It's just too hard to pay 350 bucks a month when you're only listing three houses.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. I think your model is the is the way to go. When it can be done that way, it's definitely definitely the way to go. So
1: I mean it's also the way we operate. Like that's the exactly the way we operate with our edits. Um, you know, if we don't deliver what we say we did, you don't have to come back. <laughs> There's no subscription. We haven't locked you in. We don't like those relationships when it's not you, it's me kind of <laughs> scenario. So, um, you know, it, it's just in keeping with our model.
0: That, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're almost out of time, but one last question for you here uh, is, you know, and I asked this of all of the people that we interview Uh, If you could change one thing about the real estate industry, whether it's in the United States or around the world, what would that one thing be?
1: Yeah, look, um, I'm going to go with the United States because it's really, um, for me looking in, I can see a bunch of things that I would change if I was there. And this one's nearly impossible to change. I I acknowledge that. But if I had one wish and could click my fingers like Thanos and make that change overnight, I would do that would be, I would start charging real estate agents more money to be a real estate agent. Um, The the cost of, I think you'll find a lot of the issues with the real estate industry in America would dissipate or be gone forever if you just paid. Uh, Let me give you an example. Here in Australia, for me to own a license for one year, it costs about 5,000 Australian dollars for the privilege of owning that license for a single year. Uh, in America, uh, you know, it varies, but let's go between 300 and and $1,000 is not enough to stop the issue that you have. And it's a, it's a, it's a plague you have uh, um, in the U S of the hundred percent of agents, you have only 20% doing the lion's share of selling um, the, the other 80% sell less than two houses per annum is the statistics yet. You know, when it comes to a vote, you have those 80% of incumbents who aren't actually operating or, you know, I would use the word part-time agents. Um, they are making the decisions for you. Um, I would be absolutely raising the prices uh, of, of the barrier to entry. Um, that would stop um, the fly-by-nighters. It would also allow the 20% who are actually operating. Um, you know, not, not only would they get more money, but they'd be able to focus on that trade and you would find that 20% would become, um, I guess, better at what they do because the competition would be harder in order to grab a listing. So, you know, I think there's a bunch of things that stem from that, you know, the 80% are probably the people who are uploading rubbish images to the MLS. That um, They're also, you know, systemically, we spoke at the start about, um, you know, agents being recruited just as buyers agents. So I think a large portion of them sit in there and will never list a house. They may sell one, but they probably will never list one. So yeah, that that would be what I would change.
0: Well, there you go. So thank you very much, Peter, for joining us. Uh, it's been a great interview. Uh, and I, I think we'll probably have you back. I think we can go deeper into some of these subjects.
1: That we about. <laughs> I appreciate your, your time. Thanks for having me on board. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing these podcasts, Eric. So take care over there in the States if you're listening. Um, I certainly hope you're staying safe and out of trouble.
0: Thanks so much. Peter Straven made with Box Brownie. Check them out at boxbrownie.com. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The name of the podcast is Brokerage Insider. We'll be adding new episodes at least every single week. So make sure to subscribe to hear more interviews like this one. Thanks so much for listening.